Take your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 1. We're going to look at one verse here. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to look quite a few places. Uh, tonight won't be quite as intense as the last few have been. If you've missed the last four or five Wednesday night services, let me challenge you to go on, online and listen to those. I've uh, spent uh, time about the gospel, what makes up the gospel, and I'll get into that in just a moment, but uh, this will be the last message, so to speak, or lesson on the gospel per se, and we're going to transition into something else here, but I've taken a long time to set the foundation for the book of Romans and honestly for the entire Bible for you, I think. Uh, Romans chapter 1, look at verse number 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. I want you to circle those two words, separated unto. Notice it doesn't say separated from. It says separated unto the gospel of God. Now, the word gospel is more than just uh, the world will tell you the word gospel means good news. Well, it's not just good news. I have good news for you. Uh, you can hear all the good news you want. You don't hear it on the radio or see it on uh, the TV. That's for sure. But uh, it's more than just good news. It is the good news about how to get saved. But not only is it the good news about how to get saved... It's good news given to us that we are to give to others. The word gospel is a compound word that literally means something given to us that we can give to others. It's more than just something you get. Does that make sense to everybody? So the good news of the gospel is salvation, that we receive it, but that we're also supposed to give it to someone else. It was not intended just to be received. It was intended to be received, to multiply it, to give it to others. You see, uh, let's not forget what five things make up the gospel. You don't have to recite them with me, but I, I, I want you to understand. The virgin birth, remember? The virgin birth is not about the virgin, it's about the father. Then you had the righteous life of Jesus Christ. He lived our righteousness for us. The virgin birth robed Jesus in flesh that could die. His life was lived in the flesh we live in now. Thirdly, you had Jesus as our lamb or our sacrifice. He had to pay the sacrifice. He had to pay with blood the penalty for our sin. Then, fourthly, Jesus' burial. That shows that he was in a man's body. He not only was the lamb, but he was a man that was buried. But then you had the resurrection, and it shows him as our high priest. So, you have the virgin birth. You have the righteous life of Jesus. You have Jesus as the sacrificial lamb, paying our sin debt with his blood. You have the burial and then you have the resurrection. All five of those things make up the gospel. When the Bible talks about the gospel, it's talking about those five things. Now, 
There's only one gospel. There's only one. And it's not the gospel of man, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God. And that's why, and I've had a few parents tell me this, and I'm glad the children listen to the preacher every once in a while. But uh, some of them on their own have gone into their Bibles where it says the gospel according to Matthew or Mark or Luke or John and scratch that out. It's not the gospel of Matthew, it's the gospel of God. Matthew didn't write it, he just penned it. These aren't Paul's words, these are God's words. See, God gave them just as he, they, he gave them to Moses. Matter of fact, God wrote many of them with his own hand. Now, uh, I'm not going to get into that tonight, but I'm going to transition. God tells us, though, in Romans chapter 1, look down in verse number 15. We've been here several times. So much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the what? Oh, you sounded weak. Preach the what? There you go. All right. Preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the what? Gospel of of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, I want you to notice something. In verse number one, it says that Paul was separated unto the gospel. Later, it says... I am not ashamed of the gospel. We have too many Christians that are ashamed of the gospel. Well, I just don't want to push anybody away. How much farther away can they be? I'm for missionaries. I'm for people going to the mission field and feeding hungry bodies. But if all you do is go to the mission field and feed hungry bodies, they're going to go to hell with a full belly. I'm for medical missionaries, but if all you do is give them shots of medication and keep them alive here longer and never give them the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you send them to hell healthy. I'm, I'm for the gospel being preached, whether it's on the mission field or in America. How, you say, well, I might offend somebody. You won't. The gospel will. <laughs> Can I tell you something? You're not afraid to offend them on what sports team you cheer for. You're not afraid to offend them in other areas. Why are we afraid to offend people with truth? You're, you're looking at one preacher that doesn't give a rip about what anybody thinks as long as it's truth. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, now, the word ashamed here, it literally means <laughs> disfigured, disgraced, to feel shame for oneself. It would be like someone who was disfigured in a fire and they're afraid to come out. They're ashamed of how they look. God says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many Christians are like that person who has lost an arm or a leg or they just got uh, a new eyeball or whatever. They got a new toupee. You didn't get one. Uh, Brother Joe, you need, to, you need to spend some more money on yours. You got shafted, all right? Uh, but, uh, you know, I, whatever it is that we don't want to be ashamed so we cover it up or we just don't come out. 
That's the average Christian in our world today. They're ashamed of the gospel of God. Well, I don't want to offend anybody. Well, God does not want Christians to walk around self-consciously like some disfigured person after an accident. He said, I want you to walk boldly and I want you to be separated unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll find out if you follow me around anywhere, if I speak anywhere, I give the gospel. If I've got control of the meeting, I'm going to get the gospel out one way or the other. Now, it's not always appropriate in some public settings when I'm praying. But I'm not there to speak, I'm just there to pray. But past that, and even sometimes then, I even get the gospel in. Depending on the situation. You say, why? Uh, <laughs> I remember sharing a funeral with some guy one time. I said, are you going to give the gospel? Oh, no, I would never do that. I said, good, I will. He said, well, I'll get it in, but it's, it's going to kind of be coated. I said, you can go ahead and sugarcoat it all you want. And I, he got up and my wife was with me. She remembers this funeral. I never heard such come out of a person's mouth in my life. That man cussed more than any sailor I ever talked to at a funeral. I mean, there were people going <gasps> in the middle of a funeral with the guy's body laying there. <laughs> I had led the guy to Christ. I got up and talked about the day he got saved and that his daddy got saved and his stepmom got saved and gave the gospel and 42 people got saved, including uh, the head of a trucking company. Hmm. The guy that did all the cussing sure didn't get anything done. You say, preacher, are you, you're, you're preaching to a, a, a locked-in crowd. By the way, they had it on, what do you call that thing, uh, live stream or whatever. This was several years ago. It was fairly new because he had a sister that was pregnant and couldn't travel. I found out later she got saved by live stream. Wait a minute. Can I tell you something? We ought not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, here's the truth for tonight. This is what I want you to understand. God has done all of his part for the gospel. God has done all of his part. He gave us the virgin birth. He gave us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He gave us Jesus as the lamb sacrificing his blood for us at Calvary and dying. He gave us the burial and the resurrection as our high priest and put the blood on the mercy seat in heaven. He has completed the gospel for every human being. Now, that means this. The responsibility of getting the gospel out is not on God. The responsibility of getting the gospel out is on us, not him. Amen. <sighs> Please don't get angry with me for saying something here. I've grown up in church. I've been to more church prayer meetings than you all can count. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people saying, I've prayed 20 years for this person to get saved. 
I prayed 40 years for this person to get saved. Can I tell you something? You wasted 20 or 40 years of your life and God's time. You should have been praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you enough to talk to that person or send somebody to them. Yes. But it's not God's job to make that person get saved. God said, I completed the price. You go out and tell everybody. God put on man the responsibility of getting the gospel around the world. I hear this more times than I care to think. Well, uh, God says that no man's going to be without account. So what about those people in the deepest, darkest part of Africa that don't have anybody to give them the truth? That's our fault, not God's. God paid it all. He put it in a book called the Bible and said, okay, it's your job to take it everywhere. That's not on God, that's on us. Let no man be without excuse. And if we are, we're the ones to blame, not God. Turn to Mark chapter 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, first four books of the New Testament. Mark chapter 16. This is a very familiar passage for some of you. Mark chapter 16. This is Jesus after the resurrection. He's about ready to go back to heaven after almost 40 days here on earth. And I want you to see what Jesus himself tells the disciples. Look at, uh, oh, look at verse number 12. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them, and they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Oh, part of the gospel, right? What does Mark chapter 16 verse 15 say? And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the what? Gospel Gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Oh, he was talking about building the church there. Notice it's believing that is what gets someone saved. The baptism gets them part of the church so they can learn what the gospel is to take it out and give it to somebody else. It says that again in Matthew chapter 28. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. Back about 30 pages or so. Matthew chapter 28, the last three verses. Matthew chapter 28. Verse number 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, hmm. baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. When does somebody get baptized? After salvation, which means after they've received the what? Gospel. 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He didn't say just while I'm here. He said to the end of the world. Why do we believe in foreign missions? Why do we support Brother Wynn down in Mexico? We support uh, uh, missionaries in India and in South Sudan. Why do we do that? Because God said that we're responsible to get the gospel preached to other nations around the world. So we send part of our support money, our money, there to support a missionary because most missionaries from America cannot take money from nationals in another country. It's illegal. That's why a missionary has to raise money and then they build their ministry off of the offerings of the people, not from America. Their needs are met by the people in America, but the church's needs are met by the church people, but he can't take funds from that church to pay his salary because it's illegal. It's, it's just simple economics. Now, people going to hell is not on God. People going to hell is on us human beings. Whether A, we've told them, or B, whether they've accepted it or not. Did you know God doesn't force anybody to hear the gospel? But did you know God's not stopping you from giving the gospel? (laughs) In other words, he did his part, time for us to do our part. Look at Romans chapter 15. You thought I forgot that we were in the book of Romans, didn't you? Romans chapter 15. We're going to look at several verses uh, in in the next few minutes here, so hang on. Look at Romans 15. Look at verse number uh, 16. That I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Look at me. That word minister, it doesn't mean a guy dressed up in a black suit with a shirt on backwards. The word minister literally means servant. Do you know what my job is as the pastor of this church is to serve you? It's my job to serve this community. I went to the political rally for Patrick Morrissey yesterday. And no, I'm not throwing my hat in and saying this is who you vote for. I will say this. I like what he had to say. Yes, we'll say this. We had about 20 folks from our church there, and it made an impact. I saw him afterwards. Walked up and shook his hand. He said, Pastor Bush, he said, uh, it was so good to be at your church. He said, I'm hoping to come back there. I said, doors always open. And he said, Do you remember, I said, yes, sir, that I introduced you as the potential governor of the state of West Virginia? I said, still mean it. I like what he had to say. Does that mean he's perfect? No, he's a sinner just like you and me. Uh, he's, He's running for office. Okay. But I was also pleased that as I walked through the crowd, there were other people there that were here from our big day in July. Two men that had gotten saved walked over and shook my hand and thanked me for the church service and the day they got saved. 
Huh. I believe in being as helpful to our area as I can so that we have an influence to reach more people. I didn't say to have a bigger church. I said an influence to reach more people. Size of the church, it'll grow as it needs to. I'm not worried about that. I just want to help as many people as I can help. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want you to notice some of the verbs. For those of you that don't understand English grammar, those are the action words, all right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse number 12. 1 Corinthians 9, 12. If others be partakers of this power over you, are we not rather, nevertheless, uh, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ? Oh. God says here, don't let your power keep you from hindering the gospel. Well, I've reached a level, Pastor. I don't think it's appropriate for me. Well, you're too big for your britches then. My preacher used to say that means you got more degrees than you got temperature. If you're too good to stop and give the gospel to somebody, then you really need to quit doing what you're doing and give the gospel to somebody. Verse 13. Do you know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? That's talking about people who, okay, me. I work full-time here at the church. I get my paycheck here from the church. If I don't do my job and the offerings don't come in, guess who doesn't get a paycheck? Me. It's okay. Verse 14. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Please listen to this statement. I have many preachers that I know around the country. Some of them are what they would call bivocational. They pastor part-time and work full-time. Some never get out of it because they're too busy making money and not building their church. Not saying that there doesn't come a point in time where a preacher needs to work a second job, but when his second job becomes more important than pastoring, he's got a problem. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not saying it's wrong for a pastor to work part-time or full-time, especially if he's just getting a church started. I get that. But when it comes to the point that we don't grow the church because we're too busy making money, I got a problem with that. Verse 15. But I have used none of these things, neither have written these things, that I should be done so unto me, uh, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make me my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For of necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward, but against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Skip down to verse number 22. To the weak became I as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. 
And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker therewith, uh, thereof with you. Wow. Here's where a lot of preachers mess up. That means if everybody's drinking, they go drinking to reach the drinkers. Well, I'm going to be all things to all men. No, you're an idiot. Sorry. Participating in wrong to try to be able to get along with somebody doesn't mean that you're doing all things with all men. I think I know how to get along with just about anybody. When I preach, except for Brother Andy, uh, no, uh, when I preach or when I talk to people, I can meet them at their level. Did you know that the children hear me and God works in their heart and they understand me? The teenagers do. The young adults do. The professionals do. The rednecks do. Amen. Uh, <laughs> uh, people that hunt do. People that don't hunt do. People that are thinkers. People that never graduated from school. That's becoming all things to all men that I might win some. I have two college degrees. But I can talk to somebody that never made it past second or third or fourth grade. And they don't feel like they're outclassed. When I make statements like put the peanut butter on the bottom shelf where everybody can reach it. No problem. I know how to reach rednecks. Amen, Brother Larry. I know how to talk to you, turkey. I mean, uh, I, I know how to do that kind of stuff. I've got preachers that come by and they'll see the deer heads and turkey stuff in my office. And I'll say, man, I wish I could do that in my church. I said, well, you could if you're a real man. I'll rib him a little bit. Brother C, he, he pastors over in Maryland, and it wouldn't go over real well in his office. Yeah, not where he's at. <laughs> now, wait a minute. There, there are people that are in the big city that would take much offense to that. They don't realize their meat doesn't just show up at the supermarket. They really don't. Uh, but some of y'all laugh your heads off when I talk about trying to do the pig last year and it turned into a pet crematory out there. Y'all understood that. You say, why? Because I can reach all people at all levels. I can sit down and talk with Patrick Morsey, who's running for governor. And not, by the way, I'm not intimidated by him. I don't look up at him. I don't look down at him. Look at him eyeball to eyeball like my daddy taught me. Uh, I've met important people. So-called. Some of them I didn't want to meet again. Just a few weeks ago, I was at Joe Banchin's office. I talked to him face to face. That man walked over to me with tears running down his face. By the way, Joe Manchin's a brilliant man. He's an intelligent man. Now, he's not real smart, but he's intelligent. When you aim for the middle, you hit nothing. When you're trying to land between two groups that don't agree, you're not going to agree with anybody. And that's what we try to get across to him. You're going to have to land somewhere. <laughs> or, you know, you straddle the fence long enough, your britches are going to rip. It's going to happen. 
So God's saying here, though, that we're not to abuse our power in the gospel. By the way, that's why it says we're not supposed to uh, lord ourselves over somebody. You know, I don't compare our church to anybody else's, and I don't compare me as a pastor to anybody else. Well, I had more people saved than you had. You didn't save anybody. God did. I'm not as worried about how many people you see saved. I'm, a, I'm more worried about us obeying God, getting the gospel to every creature. I've got to hurry here. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Just a few pages over. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm probably not going to get through all these verses tonight. I know I'm not. 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse number 3. But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are who? Huh. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the what? Minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Isn't it amazing how dark the gospel is in our world today? My sister-in-law sent me something this morning. Down in Brazil, they have something every year called Carnival. It's filthy, it's vile, it's nasty. It's like, uh, what do they have down in New Orleans? What's that? Mardi, it's like Mardi Gras on steroids. It's a national Mardi Gras. This year, they had a float, and the main attraction was the float to Satan. And they literally were chasing Jesus, quote-unquote, through the streets and beating him half to death. Making fun of the gospel. Oh, by the way, everyone went home drunk. That night, 13 inches of rain fell in three hours. Flooded out the district where that took place and thousands of people were killed. Days later, they went back through the streets holding signs up to God saying, God, have mercy on us. We're sorry. People don't realize the gospel is hid to them that are lost. And the devil's blinding people's mind's eyes. People's minds are being blinded. Oh, the gospel can't be that simple. It is. Oh, you got to do something else. I don't need that. I'm smarter than that. I have more education than that. Okay. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. First thing, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. Look at verse number 15. We talk about the putting on the whole armor of God. I want you to show, show you something here about the armor. Look at verse number uh, 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the what? Gospel of peace. Oh, feet. Are your feet supposed to be, what do, what do they do? They take you places, right? In other words, the gospel's there for us to take Places. 
Not to prop our feet up in our living room and say, look at my new shoes. Yeah. Look at verse number uh, 16. Above all things, take the shield of faith, wherewith you be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. In other words, after you got your feet ready, because you got saved, you got the word of God, you've got your faith, we'll talk about that later, and you go forward with the word of God and the sword of the spirit, doing what? Taking the gospel. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer, with all supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. In other words, it's going to be a battle. Did you know getting the gospel out to people sometimes is a battle? I've had dogs let loose on me. I've had people point guns at my face. I've had people threaten to kill me. I've had people chase me. I've had people do all kinds of things. You, <laughs> I don't need television. I can just go so winning and have more entertainment than television any day. But your feet are for taking something somewhere. Turn to Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Just turn over a page or two. Look at verse number 12. But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. Uh, so that my in my bonds in Christ are manifest all in all the palace and in all the other places. And in many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ of uh, even of envy and strife. And some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. The defense of the gospel. That's me. And notice what it talks about there. You're going to face some opposition. There's going to be preachers out there that don't do it right, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it right. There's going to be people out there that don't do things the right way, but that doesn't mean that we follow them. We follow what the gospel says to do and get it to every person. I've got to hurry. Next, we're not to change or fiddle with the gospel in any way. Everybody look at me. We are not to change the gospel. I don't care what year it is. Turn to Romans chapter 15. We were there just a little while ago. Romans chapter 15. Look at verse number 29. Romans chapter 15, verse number 29. And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness and the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Notice it's talking about the gospel of Christ, not the gospel of Paul. The fullness and the blessing of the gospel. Now, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Hang on. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Look at verse number one. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. And I have espoused you to one husband. That's similar to being separated 
unto the gospel. That I may present you as a chaste, what? Virgin to Christ. It's talking about the church. Remember there's a virgin birth? But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through the subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the what? Simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom ye have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, hang on, i got to turn pages, it's stuck, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I, I was not wit behind the very chiefest of apostles. But though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly made manifest among all things. Now watch this. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that ye might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? I want you to notice something. There are people that are going to preach a different gospel, a different Jesus. The Sodomites are saying, well, all love is love and Jesus gets us. Well, the gospel's for everybody. Don't care what your sin is, but he's not looking down on you saying, I agree with you. I can show you where he destroyed cities full of you. Read the rest of Romans chapter 1, you find out what he really thinks about it. Uh, turn to Galatians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians, Galatians, just a few pages over. And I'm... I'm going to hurry because I've got to get to something else here real fast. I'll give you some other references. Galatians chapter 1, look at verse number 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto what? Another gospel. Which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That word pervert means to get out of order, to emphasize one part over another. Can I tell you what perverting the gospel is? Well, yes, you have to be saved, but you have to be also get baptized in order to keep your salvation. That's perverting the gospel. That means you have to join the church and be part of the church or you're not really saved. That's perverting the gospel. Okay, this one's going to get somebody mad, hopefully. Well, you have to mean it with all your heart or you really didn't get saved. Show me in the Bible how you measure what all your heart is. Uh, I took her on our first date, October 10th, 1987. Hey, that was pretty good, wasn't it? Some of you weren't even alive then. Shut up. A little twit. Now, wait a minute. It wasn't long thereafter I knew I loved her. By January, I told her. By September, we were engaged. By June the following year, we were married. Hey, I've been in a hurry ever since. Trust me. I haven't slowed down in a long time. 33, 34 years ago, 35 years ago, I thought I loved her. 
with all my heart. After being engaged, married, living in 10 different houses, living in one, two, three, four, five different states, having had three children, going through all the battles we've been through, I love her more now than I did 35 years ago. So did I not love her 35 years ago? That's how stupid it is for somebody to say, well, if you didn't do it with all your heart, if you really didn't mean it, if you realized you're a sinner on your way to hell and that Jesus paid your sin debt and that you couldn't get there on your own and you had enough faith to say, I'll trust Jesus, that's all you needed. Don't pervert the gospel and don't... Throw the papers off the platform here. Uh, perverting the gospel. Look at verse number uh, 8. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, that, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say now I again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that you have received, let him be Accursed. For do now I persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if yet I please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But if I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. If they can't show you in the Bible, don't believe it. And if it's not consistent with what you've been taught from the scripture, rightly, don't believe it. Boy, that's good stuff. We don't have time to turn to 1 Corinthians 9, verses 14 through 19. Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 through 7, where it talks about the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. The eternal gospel. That's just like everlasting gospel. That means it doesn't change. Thirdly, and I got a minute. We're going over a couple minutes. Man will not like the preaching of the gospel because man wants his own way to be good enough to get to heaven. Turn to 2 Timothy. Man is not going to like hearing the preaching of the gospel. But that doesn't change the gospel. God did not... Give us the gospel for man to like. He gave us the gospel to keep us out of hell. Second Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse number 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel According to the power of God. Notice it says the afflictions of the gospel. Does affliction sound good? Did you know something? When you preach right, people aren't going to like you. Did you know some of you, if you believe right and start telling folks how to go to heaven, some of your family's not going to like you? <sighs> Trust me. Some of your old friends aren't going to come around anymore. 
He got religion. No, he got saved. Verse number nine. Uh, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. What is that holy calling? To get the gospel to every creature. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But it's now manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am an appointed, a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Boy, does that make that passage a whole lot clearer, doesn't it? Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 8. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 8. Remember that Jesus Christ is the seed of David. Oh, that's why in Matthew it goes through the chronology of David. That gave Jesus the royal rights to the throne of Jerusalem and as a man. Remember that Jesus Christ was of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to what? My gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but that the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation uh, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall be also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. God's talking about we're going to suffer for believing right. Can I tell you something? They're attacking people who believe right. Nothing new. Uh, turn uh, Chapter 3, same Second Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse number 12. I'm going to cut this as fast as I can. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, what are the next word, four words? Shall suffer persecution. Wow. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them. Now, Romans chapter 11 We'll look at three verses in Romans and we're done. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to crash land the plane, I promise. Romans chapter 11, look at verse number 28. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. Notice there's going to be enemies for the gospel's sake. Romans chapter 10, look at verse number 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet, just like Ephesians 6, feet, of them which preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Uh, and uh, we could go through all the way the rest of the chapter here. We're not going to, but you can read it later. Can I tell you something? You are going to face a battle. People aren't all going to like it. 
I've had crabby people. I've had nice people till I give them the gospel and then they're, get out of here. That's personal. You can't ask me that. Well, I just did. Their reaction to it doesn't bother me. Just like the mailman doesn't care whether you can pay your bills or not, he just has to deliver the mail. Did you know if you don't pay your mortgage, the mailman's not going to come and pay it because he brought it to your house? I'm not accountable for how someone receives it. I'm accountable for getting it to them. I'm God's mailman. Stamps and addresses. Amen, Mrs. Barnes? Uh, I, I'm, I'm supposed to make sure that, uh, that, that the things get delivered to every person I can possibly deliver it to. I know some people would call me junk mail. I don't care. I'm still supposed to get it in everybody's box, not in their mailbox to their door. It's not our gospel that we're to get out. We're not to preach our gospel. Did you know I'm supposed to preach the same gospel that Jesus preached? And that's what I do. I'm, I'm honored and I'm humbled to say I, I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you went into my office on my wall towards that end, it has my ordination certificate and it says that I have been ordained as a gospel preacher into the ministry of Jesus Christ. I take that pretty big. I preach the very message he preached. I represent him. This is why Acts 1 8 is so important. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. What are we? Witnesses. We're supposed to witness and get the gospel. We've witnessed what the gospel did to us and we're to get that news out to somebody else. That's what Paul said when he said, I am separated unto the gospel of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Maybe we as Christians ought to decide we're going to separate ourselves to start getting the gospel out. Grab some gospel tracts and take with you and hand them out. Take them everywhere you go. Leave them for the waitresses. Give them to the neighbors, whoever. You can't get the gospel to the wrong person. Maybe we ought to dedicate ourselves. Maybe we ought to get involved Saturdays over the next few weeks. And just put, we've got the gospel on the backside of every flyer that will go out. Every flyer you pass out will have the gospel on it. And you will be witnessing by getting it into somebody's home.